If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. Before we get there, uh, you'll see in my hand, I hold one of these demons, handy dandy phone. And I want to introduce the message to you this morning by talking to you about the seriousness of what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to use this, what I'm holding in my hand, as the illustration and the example of it. Um, of course, you know some, some time ago, I'm not exactly sure uh, the exact date that it, um, Morganton voted to allow these bars to start selling alcohol in bars. To make no mistake about it, I want to let everybody know, and if this makes anybody mad, tough, I hate alcohol. I hate alcohol. I grew up in what that stuff does. It's demon-possessed mess. And a Christian has no business whatsoever partaking in so much as a drop of that demon-possessed stuff. Amen? But Morganton voted to allow bars to come and start selling it and people go and they have a good time and they party. And Well, let me just stop right there and I want to quote you a little bit of the Bible. It says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. But when it is finished, it brings forth death. And of course, they show you those people there having fun at the bars, but they don't show you that little child laying on the side of the road with his head half knocked off because some drunk crossed the center line and hit them head on on the way home. You see the pictures of the fun and the games. Well, when you start letting in a little bit of sin, more sin falls. See, people say something like this. Keith, why is it that you're so dogmatic that the Word of God is not changed and the truth is preached and regardless of what people think about uh, whether it makes people mad or people get upset or anything that you're, you're not going to let the culture influence uh, what's preached and what's said. Well, I understand the slippery slope. I, I was talking to our deacons this morning and I, I talked to them about this book and I mentioned it Wednesday night and I'm going to continue mentioning this book till everybody in here has read it. And the book the name of it is called Ordinary Men. And it's about the 101st police. Write that thing down if you want to and go get it. It's cheap. It's on, you can get it's an old book, so you can get it for a dollar ninety-nine or something on Amazon. On your, you can read it on your telephone. But it's about the 101st police battalion in Nazi Germany. And the book tells the story of how they got on that slippery slope. They were bakers and and butchers and and janitors and all of these things and they got took in on this police battalion that was reserved because they was all too old and broke down to go fight so they was going to make some use out of them so they sent them into Poland during World War II to uh, oversee the, the occupation force there and uh, the, the Polish people and these men who were fathers who were Christians a lot of them claimed Christ most Lutheran but they 
a lot of them claimed to be Christian, and they were grandpas and husbands and all of this stuff went into Poland to, to be a police force, and before long, they found themselves literally by the thousands leading Polish Jews out into the woods, having them uh, kneel down in front of them, take their pistol, their rifle, whatever they had, putting it to the back of their head, and literally blowing their brains out. And when that wasn't good enough, they took the, the, the rifle and the bayonet and went down into the back of their neck to finish the job. Now, these were people who were just ordinary men. Well, how did they get from being those ordinary men to doing those horrible events? Well, I can tell you how. One little compromise at a time. And if we're not careful, we you see, all of us like to think, well, that could never be me. But if we think that could never be me, then we're not looking at ourselves from the biblical perspective. You see, I've got a sin nature in me. You've got a sin nature in you. The Bible says all have sin and come short of the glory of God. So not a one of us is above that except for the restraining power of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going somewhere with this. One thing leads to another. So you got a bar here. Shouldn't never been here to begin with, but now it's here. Well, I, I went to see Sue Patton in the hospital the other day. And praise God, Sue's doing real good. She's gone to the beach already. Man, God's so good. He... I mean, one day she's in there having surgery, and the next day she's sitting there watching the waves come crashing in. I'm telling you, thank God for good medicine and the great physician that does the healing, amen. But I'm down there with her, and her son-in-law says, I want to show you something on your phone. And So we get on there, and, and I'm, I'm going to quit carrying this thing around because y'all wondering, thinking, well, that preacher, he's really done, went, and lost his mind. So I'm going to go ahead and put it down. But basically, here's what, what, what he showed me. On June 6th, um, at 6 p.m., so you got the sixth month, the sixth day at 6 p.m. That's not an accident, by the way. The people who are doing this said that's not an accident. They're, they're doing this on the sixth day of the sixth month at 6 p.m. for a reason that the little bar right down here in Morganton, uh, uh, as you walk going to town, it's that little one there in the basement there. They're sponsoring an event that they're having a, a band come, and the band's name is a little bit of Satan. Um, and, of course, you know, that's the name of the, the band. And they, uh, Well, let me just read you kind of the description of the event down at the bottom. Now, church, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the owner of this bar has already said that he's going to sue anybody that continues to put out this information. And he's not backing down. He's going to have this event. Well, I'm not going to let the threat of a lawsuit or anything else stop me from telling the truth. Amen. It's still America, by the way. Uh, and I'm willing to fight for it. So here's what it says. So to celebrate our dark Lord and Savior, we will celebrate this holy day with music, food, and dance. Jackson will be playing your favorite music starting off with satanic mass at 6 p.m. You see, you take one step down the road and it leads to another step. 
And what began with, hey, it's just a little economic prosperity. I mean, every time we sell a glass of liquor down there, it's a little bit of taxes coming into Morganton. Next thing you know, you're having people meet and worshiping Satan. I say that not so we can get upset and go protest and stand in line and shout and thump our Bibles. I don't believe any of that's going to do any good anyway. Though I'm not going to have anybody silence me. Amen. I'll speak the truth. Uh, I do say it for this. Who's your one? Introduced this several weeks ago. Been talking a little bit about it as we went along. We put these in the bulletin along with the the prayer guide that people could get and hold on to and write down a name. You can see I've got a name on there. You may not be able to read it from that far away. Um, you see, the only thing that's going to stop this, what we talked about, about what's going on in Morganton now, the only thing, the only way we're going to stop it. Now, we can go down there and we can stand outside that place and we can protest and, and all of that, but I don't think that's really good. All you're going to do is make people mad when, if you do that. Now, let me say this now, I'm not above making people mad when it's necessary. Amen? I mean, there's a time that you have to. But I don't believe that that is going to change any heart or any life. The, the only way to do that is as we fulfill God's command to, to find that person, identify that person, love on that person, befriend that person, be Jesus to that person. Be that light in the community. Let people, listen, not that we're going to be perfect, but be salt and be light in the community like we're commanded to in Matthew chapter number 5. And then each individual come to know Jesus as Savior and give their heart to Him and then continue the process. You see, oftentimes as Christians, we're lazy. And we want to lead them right up to that point and get a person where they pray and they receive Christ and then we say hoorah my job's over now but the real issue is at that point our job has just begun because you see then we've got to take that person walk with that person live life with that person and teach that person and make a disciple out of that person because in the great commission Jesus did not say hey go into all the world and get people to pray a little prayer no that's not what he said he said go and make disciples that's the role, that's, the, that's the, the task, that's the mission that God has given us to do. And if Zion Baptist Church, as a body of Christ gathered up on this hill, has any goal, any mission, any overarching scheme beyond making disciples, then we're missing the mark. That must be our mission. That must be our aim. And you've heard me say something many times before. He who aims at nothing is guaranteed Never to miss. We've got to have a name. And when we take one of these and we write a name on it, I promise you that thing's going to be your judge. I mean, it's going to be standing over you and it's going to be a goal. It's going to be a name. And it, when you write a name on this, on this line, failure becomes an option. And it's easy for us to go through life and say, well, I just won't participate because if I don't participate, I won't fail. But if you don't participate, you'll never hit anything. You'll never succeed. The chance of success is gone. Jesus illustrates that in the passage of Scripture we're going to read this morning. 
So I say all that to say this. There's enough of these here for everybody. We've given them out twice now. And you know how I believe at challenging people. I don't believe, I'm not one of them preachers that believes you ought to just make people feel good about themselves or a situation unless that's warranted. How many of you still have that thing or it's got found its way into the trash or it's, it's don't, don't show me, don't show me. I, there's enough up here for everybody and I'm going to challenge before we leave. Matter of fact, if you, wanna, if you don't have one, hey, be the first brave soul that would stand up while I'm speaking, right now even, and come and get one and say, I'm going to make that commitment. I'm going to lay those down. Listen, you come on if you want one of those. Uh, because I truly believe that's what our community needs. For Christians to decide, I'm going to reach out to that one. I'm going to be that salt and that light to that person. And then what we talked about this morning, as tragic as it may be, as dark as it may sound, we can reach Burke County one person at a time. Matthew chapter number 4. You just continue. If you want to come and you get one of those, you just come on and get one of those who's your one forms. Matthew chapter number 1, beginning at verse number 18. Listen to what the Bible says. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before your throne this morning first, thanking you that we've got that privilege. And Father, we thank you for those that are here at Zion Baptist Church, those around the world that are willing to lay it all down and be a disciple that makes disciples, that take the Great Commission seriously. Father, we've talked about this morning, this horrible event that's going to take place in Morganton. But God, we know that except for the power of the Holy Spirit that draws men to a place of repentance, that there's no change ever going to take place. You specialize in change. And Father, we're dependent on you to do it. So God, empower your people. Change us, Lord, if need be. Move us out of the way. But God, work, we pray, in such a way that disciples would be made and people would follow you. And in and through that, this county and indeed the world would be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to give you just a little bit of historical background about this passage. Um, all Hebrew boys went to religious school. They went to this school where they learned about the Torah and the writings of uh, the first five books of the Bible. And they started at age five and they went through age ten. But at the age of ten, there was kind of this separation took place. So uh, when, the, <coughs> excuse me, when the Hebrew boys reached age ten, they'd set them aside. They'd say, okay, this one over here, he's got potential. And this one over here, he doesn't really have much potential. And, and once that separation took place, all of those that were deemed not to have potential, that's kind of like me in school. They didn't really like to learn anything and wasn't too good at it. 
Amen. So they'd just send them on back to their, to their house and say, hey, you go on back home and learn what your daddy knows and be an apprentice and all that stuff because you, listen, boy, you ain't got no potential of ever being much of anything as it comes to the theological teachings. So you go on back home. They'd do that. Well, but everybody that showed a little potential, they'd continue on in school. So for the next seven years from age 10 to 17, they'd stay in school and they'd learn. But at the end of that seventeen or that seven years, there'd be another cut made. Any of you ever been cut from a team? You're playing basketball? You know I ain't never picked first when it comes to playing basketball. Now maybe if I was like Brandon or something, I might be, but no. When you're down here with me, you ain't going to get picked first when it comes to being on a basketball team. Well, when they're 17, there'd be another cut made. And they'd separate, I mean, those that really had it going on from those that they'd showed a little potential, but once it was examined a little bit further, you know, and they just didn't really pass the, pass the test. And they'd send them on back home to, to, to be a, you know, like a, a, an apprentice of whatever trade they were going to go in. But then those others, boy, they'd go on. And they'd go and they'd have another five years of study with a rabbi. Only one problem. You couldn't pick the rabbi. The rabbi had to pick you. After watching and all of this that you'd went through and looking at your potential, you see, because these rabbis were spiritual leaders and they had a reputation to uphold. And they wanted only the best. And if you wasn't the best, they didn't want anything to do with you, so they'd send you on back home. The rabbi had to come and you had to then make that application process. As a matter of fact, they had a saying that was something like this that they'd talk to these students. They'd say, uh, may, the, may the dust uh, of the rabbi cover you. Meaning that as the rabbi passed by, the dust that he stirred up, that, that disciple that was following him, his student would follow him so closely that he would literally get covered in the dust as he walked behind the rabbi. That's how close he would follow well, they were some special kind of rabbis. You know, um, in the Jewish culture, they didn't like change much, and they really believed in tradition. Uh, so somebody come along teaching a new thing, they didn't really like it that much. But every now and then, there'd be a rabbi uh, that come along, and they used this word, and it's a, it's a weird he, uh, Greek word, but it really means authority. And they would say there'd be a rabbi come as one having authority. I mean, they'd have a new revelation. They'd teach a new thing. We only know of a few of them today, Gamaliel and Hillel, and we know that Paul was taught by Gamaliel and all of that. But I mean, somebody who God gave them so much insight that they could teach a new thing, and I mean, they, could, they had to pick of the litter when it come to disciples to follow them in the train and to teach them in religious law. Well, you got this fellow named Jesus. At 12 years old, he disappears from his parents. They're on a trip somewhere, and they get to looking for him and find him down in the temple. And at 12 years old, long before this cut's ever made, he's down there teaching the rabbis, and they're saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? He teaches as one that has authority. This person that's different, this person that has something about them where they give a new revelation, they teach a new thing. I mean, they're a cut above this person. Uh, is and Jesus is down there at 12 years old teaching well he grows up he starts his ministry now listen 
When we get to this passage of Scripture we talked about this morning, there's some characteristics that it talks about a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share just a few of those with you this morning as we begin, who's your one? You see, Jesus has called us to be disciples. But thank God we don't live in that religious system where only the best of the best get chosen because Jesus does not choose the best. He chooses those who are willing to follow Him. Amen? Look what the Bible says right here in verse number 18. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon and Andrew. They were casting the net into the sea, for they were fishers. You know what that tells me? They had not made the cut. They had done been weeded out of who was going to be a religious superstar and who was going to be used of God. But along comes this man who has authority, who's different, who who teaches in such a way that he's going to give a new revelation. He's going to teach a different thing, something not like the old. And he doesn't go to those who had passed the test. He went to the ones that had not made the cut. They were sitting by the sea and they were fishing. And he said, hey, come follow me. Well, a lot of us are sitting here this morning and we might say something like this. Well, I don't have the best education in the world. Well, I'm not really that outgoing. Well, I just don't have talent like those other people. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus said, Hey, I'm not here to choose the best. I'm going to choose the willing. And I don't call the qualified. I qualify the called. Amen. So if you're here this morning and Jesus is saying, Hey, come follow me it doesn't matter what your background is it doesn't matter what your qualifications are he said hey I didn't pick you because you were the best I'll pick you if you're willing to follow me amen so a disciple's not the best a disciple's simply someone who's willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ he doesn't need our ability he doesn't need our uh, education He only requires and needs our availability to be used as a disciple of His. But I want to say something else. (coughs) We didn't choose Him. He chose us. You stop and think about that. It says right here that they were, (coughs) excuse me, there and they were fishing and Jesus walked by and He said, hey, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They didn't go out looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. He came hunting them down. And and I want to say something this morning. The reason that all this stuff, we see this uh, tragedy taking place in Burke County is because there's not enough people that have answered the call of the Lord Jesus Christ to be fishers of men. You see, he's walked by every one of us and said, Hey, follow me. I want to make you a fisher of of people. I want to make you fishers of men. And many of us have continued on with our life, continued on with what's going on, and not answered that call to be a disciple. In your Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked about uh, Jesus and that cost of being a disciple. And, And I want to say something. There's a difference between a Christian and a disciple. Uh, A Christian, someone accepted God's call of salvation. A disciple is someone who has accepted that call of salvation and went one step further and accepted the call to take up their cross and follow Him. So, I thank God He didn't choose me. The Bible says in John 15, 
These are the words of Christ. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you may ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Some of you here this morning, and you're struggling with life and health and relationships and, and difficulties and, and finances and, and it seems that the weight of all of that is just crushing you and if you'll stop and just think that listen Jesus Christ the God of the universe personally chose you to be his follower it can relieve that and lift that <coughs> excuse me and when we understand that all powerful God is on our side chose us and we're on his team he didn't we didn't choose him, he chose us. Thank you, Shane. Number three, our primary, our first calling, our first responsibility ought to be simply to be with and follow him. He told the disciples, listen, here in verse number 19, and he saith unto them, follow me. That's the first thing he said to them. I want to tell you something this morning, church, and I'm going to move on. I'll say it real quick. If we love Jesus like we ought, then nobody will have to beg us to be fishers of men. Now, oftentimes, you've heard me say it, I can tell you a lie, and I can get away with that lie, and you'll not catch me in that lie. I, or, uh, but, 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 let me back up. You'll catch me in that lie. But the one person that I can lie to that I'll never catch is me. You see, sooner or later, I'm going to give you a tale. Me and Jim, I was down at his house the other day. Now, we wasn't, we wasn't gambling. We was just talking about gambling. <laughs> hey! But we was talking about how, you know, some people, if they get a good hand, how they'll make a certain sign or they'll make a certain movement, and somebody that's good, they'll pick up on that thing, and they'll catch it. Well, that's the truth. I can't get a lie over on you. You'll, you'll catch me eventually. But I'm going to tell you what, if I'm not careful, I can lie to myself from now to eternity, and I'll never catch myself in that lie. Why? Because I don't want to. Well, oftentimes we tell ourselves just how much we love Jesus, but then we're not fishers of men, and that's the tale of what we really believe and what we really feel. You see, our primary calling is simply to follow Him, to love Him, to be with Him. He didn't tell them what they were going, what the assignment He had. His primary call is not to be to do something. His primary call is to be something and become like Him. So our primary calling is to follow Him. He said, come, follow me. But then He goes on and says, for the true disciple, that after we follow Him, we have to leave all. Look what it says right here. and He said, uh, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 19, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You think about that. Why does the Bible talk about Fishing, nets, and father. Well, I don't believe the Bible uses any words by accident. 
I believe it talks about fishing and the nets because that's one of those fundamental things in life that all, all of us have to have a career or something to do, don't we? And then I believe it goes on and talks about the Father because all of us have relationships. You see, I believe it mentions those two things because that career that's out there, this fundamental, this vision that we've got, how am I going to spend my life? And then the Father over here, these most important relationships in our life. And I believe what the Bible's saying here is that we can't be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ unless we're willing to leave the career behind, willing to leave our aspirations behind, willing to lay everything down, even what we use to make a living, and then also those relationships that are most important to us. If we're not willing to lay those relationships down to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot be His disciple. So these fishermen here, Jesus went up to them and He said, Hey, I want you to lay all that down. I want you to stop this career that path that you're on. I want you to lay these nets down and follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, then he goes on and some of them must have still been with their daddy. Those important relationships. And he said, hey, I've got, I want you to father, follow me. And he called them. And the Bible says in verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed Being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is oftentimes going to cost us something. That's what we talked about in Sunday school this morning. That Jesus said, hey, I want you to come follow me, but you better count the cost before you can. <clears throat> I remember sitting over there around a campfire. And Tommy's been there, and Taylor's going to be going over there soon in Indonesia. I was talking to Danny Mononga, one of the the man that we stayed with when we'd go over there. Of course, you know Danny's a Muslim. <clears throat> I shared with Danny about how the Lord had changed my life and, and you know, about how I used to be controlled by alcohol. And, and much as I tried, I couldn't get away from that. And I kept going back to it and, and back to it and back to it. And how when the Lord Jesus Christ saved me, he gave me the power to, to overcome that. Uh, and, and it never held me as a hostage or held me as a slave uh, again. And, and uh, you know, I talked to him about how now I had a, a family and, and at least somewhat respected in the community. I keep preaching like this. I might be a little bit hated, but that's all right. My life had changed. And Danny had tears coming down his face. And I told Danny, I said, Danny, I want to tell you something that's just different about what you believe and, and what I believe and and he had already told me about what he believed and, and Islam and all of that and I already knew it before he told me but I sat there and listened to him I said Danny you know I've heard you talk about your, your daughter and and your children and and I can really tell that you love them and you you care about them and I said let me tell you something's different about what we believe Danny I said in what you believe, if your child grows up and, and they decide they don't want to be a Muslim and they decide that they don't want to uh, commit all to, to Allah, I said, your belief system tells you that you have to disown them, that you have to hate them. Uh, even if we want to be honest, though we don't like being honest in the world we're living in today, that if they don't turn back, that you're required to kill them. I said, Danny, I love my Jesus. 
what I believe tells me that I'm to teach my children, I'm to train my children, I'm to love my children. But even if my children grow up and reject the Christ that I love, they're still my children and I still love them. And he looked at me and he said, Keith, that's a big difference. And I know God's done something in your life. But if I receive your Jesus, I'll lose everything I have. Mm. You see, we've got this Americanized view of Christianity that we can be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ without paying a price. You see, salvation is free. It was paid for. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you've not given your heart and life and talk, received that change that I talked about that happened in my life, you could receive that this morning free of charge. Jesus paid the price when he died on the cross. He shed his blood so that you would not have to pay the price. And I invite you this morning to come and receive that free gift of salvation. But church, we must understand something. Discipleship will cost us everything. Everything. If we're going to follow Jesus. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And to follow him, we've got to be willing to lay everything aside. And I'm going to close with this. For the true disciple, he commands us to bear fruit, to multiply. He says right here in verse number uh, uh, 19, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Following Jesus means we give it all, we subject everything to his lordship, but then we must spiritually reproduce. John 15, my father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So, the Great Commission. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples, bear fruit, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always, even to the end of the age in the Greek that baptize, that teach, that uh, 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 the, the remembering and all of that comes after, is a part of, is a direct, indirect response to that go and make disciples. Everything we do follows after Jesus saying the Son of Man comes or came to seek and save that which is lost. If we are His disciples, church, that's how we're going to summarize our lives. What's your purpose in this life? To make money? Is your purpose in this life to raise children that are good at playing ball? Is your purpose in this life to have a good marriage? Those are good things. None of those are bad things. But all of us, if we're true disciples, ought to say like Jesus that we come to seek and to save that which is lost. I love to preach to the masses and one day I'd like to preach to about 10 million people at one time. But the fact of the matter is that's not God's preferred method for reaching the world. God's preferred method for reaching the world is 
you reaching one person at a time. So I ask you this morning, are you a disciple? And if you are a disciple, who's your one? Because you are God's method. I said back January, I believe it was, if we can see the size of our church double. I did it again, Ed, my bad. We can see the size of God's church here at Zion double if each of us would simply reach one and disciple that person. Well, then we teach that person how to reach one and it could explode. But it's only as we, like Jesus, understand that our purpose is to seek and to save that which is lost. So, we want to see everyone here become a reproducing Christian, a disciple. And we've given you, God has given you this day to commit to the calling upon your life, to be that disciple-making disciple. Now, if you're here this morning and you have never been born again, your first step to become a disciple, say, hey, I need to commit my life to Jesus. I need to get saved. But if you're here this morning and, and maybe you are a Christian, but you've never really taken this thing serious, you've never really saw the need to get out and to be that light, to be that salt, to put it all on the line so that men, women, boys, and girls can hear the gospel. Well, listen, you just might be that person, that, that bar owner down there who said, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to let this satanic event come in and I'm going to support this thing. You might be the one that reaches him and changes his heart and his mind, but you can't do that until you say, God, I'm willing to commit. I'm going to do what you've commanded me to do. foster care system is full. The drug rehab centers are full. The court system is full of broken homes and broken lives. We know that. I don't have to convince a single person in here this morning that suffering is real. And the world's full of it. My purpose is to live in such a way, not just so I'll get to heaven. I want to get to heaven. If you ain't on your way to heaven, come this morning and make sure that when you die, you go to heaven. But I want to live in such a way that after I'm gone, after I'm dead, after they put me in the ground and my spirit's with the Lord Jesus Christ, that somebody would be able to say, he was able to make this world of suffering just a little bit better because he lived. It ain't about me about glorifying him and the life he gives me listen I'm 47 years old at best I probably got another 30 years and then I'm going to kick the bucket and Shane might find her another fella and burn me and put me in a box somewhere I don't know hey I want to make most of it for the glory of God and lead somebody to faith in Christ and make a disciple what about you you don't have much longer I don't care how old you are Life is short. We only get one shot at it. I want to glorify God with it. And I can only do that as I answer the call to be a disciple that makes other disciples. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you.
for the privilege you give us to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, it's a serious call. But in that call, we find meaning and purpose for life. Jesus' call wasn't elaborate. It's simply, come follow me. And that's your call this morning. Burke County needs people to answer that call. North Carolina needs people to answer that call. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you'd burden the hearts of your people to answer that call like never before. And, Father, we'll praise you for it. And, God, maybe there's somebody here this morning that they can't answer that call because they've never answered the call of salvation. Lord, impress upon their heart that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment of their sin upon himself. God, help them to believe that when they took him down from that cross, they buried him, and on the third day, that tomb was empty. And Jesus got up, conquered death itself. And in and through that, we can conquer it as well. Father, fill that person with the faith to believe that and give them the courage to make that commitment public. And then, Lord, my prayer is, and I know it's ambitious and bold, may no one leave this place this morning without getting that card and making a commitment to pick that one to reach for the glory of God. Father, work all that out according to your will, your wisdom. Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for it.